the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. We as conservatives are losing young women in massive numbers. And we had Alex Clark on the show. It was a very, very successful conversation. People really liked it. It didn't resonate with me, but I want to be coached. I want to be taught. Because I, and I'll, I'll say this in a second with our guest, Isabel Brown. When a young lady comes up on campus and the first thing she says is, who do you think you are as a man telling me what to think about abortion? How do you proceed from there? Isabel Brown joins us. Uh, Isabel has been on our show many times. Isabel, welcome back. Uh, she is the host of Isabel Brown Live, also a TPUSA contributor. All right, Isabel, let's, uh, let's just approach with the big problem. We are losing young women significantly. Tell me and our audience why you think that is. Well, it's a great analysis point for us to start at, Charlie. And let me just say, I think far too many in the conservative movement and in right-of-center politics are refusing to acknowledge that at this point. We've been operating for almost 10 years in the rise of MAGA with, are you tired of winning? And I think people are so uncomfortable with this idea that maybe we need to shift strategies a little bit, shift our messaging or even how we message, not even the content, uh, to try to win again. But if the 2022 election was any proof, and if just the other day for Election Day 2023 was any proof, we have got to start reaching young women. I am very outspoken about this on my live stream. I travel across the country and speak to high school and college groups, and I'm seeing mainly a disconnect with young women in particular because of the communication between facts and feelings. We've talked about this a little bit on your show in the past, but I think there's such a window of opportunity to communicate our factual traditional values through the lens of feelings and empathy and trying to create a better world to young women where things just click. So what, what does that look like? Tell, tell us kind of, you know, a, a young lady comes up and she's all feelings. I hate you. You're a man. Or, you know, UCLA, first question. You are not allowed to have an opinion because you're a man. Should I just say you're right and shut up or what? How? I mean, I know that's a tough question, but how do you how do you dialogue with somebody who is who is obviously aggressive and says, I, I think you should get off my campus because I feel that you're a threat to me? I think we're seeing so much of this very aggressive, angry emotion, specifically around the issue of abortion. And I'm glad you brought that up, Charlie. Last spring, I was able to travel to over a dozen college campuses with Kristen Hawkins on her tour with Students for Life and dialogue with young women about this issue in the hearts of college campuses. And that anger is just so palpable. People screaming at you, people throwing things at you. I totally get it. Often I do see it geared towards men in particular because our generation has been programmed to believe no uterus, no opinion, which is ironic because I thought 
men can have uteruses now as well. And men can have periods and give birth now too. So it's always fun to throw those jokes in there because it helps to lighten the mood. But I have found it's incredibly effective on the issue of abortion to connect first on the emotional, to say, I see how angry you are. I see how upset you are. And rightfully so. We're talking about a very difficult subject that involves human suffering. So this should be making you angry and this should be not sitting right in your soul. However, is it at all possible that maybe your feelings are misdirected? Maybe the way to truly have empathy for this woman who is a victim of some sort of heinous crime, usually they bring up situations of rape or incest or domestic abuse. Is it possible that maybe we're giving more trauma to this woman by adding abortion to her life? Because she might be six times more likely to commit suicide later on in her life. Is it possible that we are putting her life at risk every time she gets down on the table uh, in the operating room for a surgical abortion or when we send her home and she could bleed out in her bathroom? We don't want her to risk her life, do we? And connecting on some of those common ground empathy talking points first really opens the door for conversation to take that deep breath, to not let your heart rate get so high as you taught me many years Mm -hmm. ago on college campuses and to let these women know that their feelings are there for a reason. This is a disgusting practice that should not sit well with you, but maybe it's a bit misdirected. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. To just kind of show you how bad the numbers are, the amount of young women that will support a Democrat House candidate is nearing 75, 70. I think these numbers are actually low. I think that's low. I think it's even worse than that based on data I've seen. It's near. It's almost a 20-point gender gap between men and women under 30 uh, compared to almost no gap in 2008. And in fact, young men are becoming more and more right-wing and young ladies are not. So The abortion issue is obviously very motivating. Have you seen evidence, Isabel, that people's minds can be changed, young ladies, on this? Because it's an issue where they frame it as autonomy, right? My Mm -hmm. body, my choice, don't tell me what. I mean, Taylor Swift comes out, um, and I'm not supposed to talk about Taylor Swift, so I don't really care, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm absolutely terrified that this is where we are, that there are so many decades of people fighting for women's rights to their bodies. Uh, today's decision has stripped us of that. That was after the repeal of Roe versus Wade. How do, how do you win over? And I'm, I'm not. This is not true. I'm just curious. Like a young lady, where all she cares about is her own personal autonomy. Yeah, it's fun to have these conversations because I think when you actually start talking about bodily autonomy with both feelings and logic, you start to realize that's not really the crux of this issue. But even when I have seen young women grip onto this idea of my body, my choice, one of my favorite questions to ask young women is, do you think you have a right to sex? Do you think you have a right to have sex anytime, any place with whoever you want? 
because that is your human right? And the answer is typically yes, but it's fun to then follow up with. So you have rights to that other person's body then the person that you're engaging in intercourse with. Or let's say you have a three-year-old child at home who cannot provide for themselves or take care of themselves. Do you have the entitlement, the right to just leave them at 3 p.m. in the afternoon and go down to the gas station and take care of that human right of yours if your child could burn their hand on the stove or die or hit their head if you're not supervising them? This idea of autonomy gets really gray when it starts involving interactions with other people. And if you can click that for somebody who might be outside of the womb, a sexual partner that you might have, your boyfriend, or a random stranger, or even your need, your responsibility to take care of a child that's out of the womb, all of a sudden those lines get a little bit blurred and there's an opportunity for conversation there. As for whether or not this mind can be changed on this issue from a generational perspective, yes, and I see it all the time, not just with the issue of abortion, but on the need for strong families and strong marriages, on the need to believe in God in our very broken and godless society, in entrepreneurship, in rejecting the lie of four-year education to get a degree in underwater lesbian basket weaving. Gen Z is very much negating this prescribed pathway to success that all of these celebrities, Taylor Swift included, uh, politicians, loudest voices on social media seem to be telling us is the only way to go. I have tons of data to back that up, but I think there's this very clear image that's being provided of Gen Z that's creating an other and a deeper generational divide in the right of center conservative movement and in the Republican Party in particular that isn't wholly based on objective reality. It's based on what a very small percentage of us have voted in the last few elections. So if I'm if I'm understanding, Isabel, you need to make a attempt of the I feel your pain type thing. Is that is that what you're getting at? to try to pan. I mean, this yeah, is, I'll be honest, creating I, a shared bond of empathy, I think is a very powerful tool. We're human because we have souls, because we have feelings. And that comes from our design from God himself, right? We're not just animatronic robots and computer programs and algorithms. The ability to connect with another person saying this causes you pain and this should cause you pain. It's not a perfect solution in our broken world. Where can we make that better is a great launching pad for that conversation. Yeah. The, uh, I have to, I have to think. Well, I guess we're not supposed to think, right? We're supposed to feel about that. So I have to. I guess I have. They're to. not mutually exclusive. I would argue. Well, I think they go they hand are. in hand. I don't know. That's where I'm not so sure. I mean, when a young lady says, "I hate you," like I hear it all the time. I, I mean, <laughs> am I supposed to validate that feeling, right? Or no? And you, you're not expected to validate every single person's feelings. Feelings are unreliable at the end of the day, but. They exist for a reason. And I would love to ask you, Charlie, like, why are you so unapologetically pro-life? Why is that such a deep-seated core value for you? Is it just because of the fact that there is a beating heart or a human person? Or do you feel a sense of humanistic connection seeing that that child was made in the image of God the same way you were and worthy of the same respect and dignity? I don't feel it. I think it. Yeah, my feelings are super... Hmm. Yeah, the Bible says your heart will lead us astray. Over 10 warnings on that, so... So, Isabel, who on the the conservative world podcast or political space do you think is is doing more good than harm or at least effective in, in reaching young women? An example that you can point to. Easiest, best example would be Brett Cooper with her show, The Comment Section. Brett has this uncanny ability to connect cultural and political issues from this very fresh breath of air that I think the world really needs to hear right now. She's funny, she's spunky, but she's not afraid to tell it as it is. And it's obviously showing in how quickly her channels are growing on TikTok, on YouTube and everywhere else. Okay, Brett Cooper, 
So, yeah, we're trying to get Brett for America Fest. Uh, she's terrific. So the the challenge I think that some of us have, though, Isabel, is that it, feelings are inherently subjective. Now, if what you're saying, using feelings to get to per, as a means of persuasion, and is that is that effectively what you're saying? Because, one, for example, the the genesis of facts don't care about your feelings is obviously Shapiro, but it came from kind of a refutation of overly and don't take this offensively feminine politics. Okay, mm-hmm. of I'm going to dismiss all the data because I feel a certain way, right? And so Shapiro said, and it obviously started a whole genre that was very successful, said, but the facts supersede your feelings and they don't care about them because, you know, for example, you hear this all the time, right, Isabel? The black students will say, I feel like I'm targeted all the time. And we'll say, well, no, I mean, you're not because of this, 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 and this. So what is your reaction to that? Well, first, I'd like to ask you a question, Charlie. You mentioned that there are uh, this big, big generation of young men coming into the fold today, going into the 2024 election that are overwhelmingly very conservative. And that's true. We are seeing that with Gen Z. It is insane. The numbers of Gen Z young men that are embracing the words of a Jordan Peterson or you or Dave Rubin or Ben Shapiro. And that's incredibly encouraging. But we as conservatives, first and foremost, believe that men are men and women are women, right? They're different, correct? Uh, Yes, yes. A is A. Correct. Yes. So if that's the case, I think it requires a unique strategy for how to message the same objective truth that all of us live in and really require to live in in our broken and subjective society. And that might look like two different approaches. The facts don't care about your feelings. Overly masculine way of communicating is incredibly effective with young men. And those numbers that you shared from Generation Z go to prove that point. I think we have nothing but reason to have hope for young men in Gen Z embracing traditional values. But when it comes to a more feminine approach to communicate those objective truth ideas, I don't think facts or feelings are mutually exclusive here in discussing Mm -hmm. these issues with young women. Women have bought into a whole barrage of lies of people trying to twist facts about what's going to make us happier or make us feel more successful or make us feel more fulfilled. We should always put our career first instead of our families. We should never date with intention to get married. And we certainly never should put a ring on our finger and get married. We shouldn't believe in God. We should believe in our very public corporate CEO because that should be God over our life. And we could keep going example by example. But look what's happened. You see an entire generation of young women who are struggling more than ever before with record high rates of anxiety, depression, of suicidation. We want something more. And that continues to prove itself as well. 83% of my generation, for example, still dreams of growing up to get married in a culture with the lowest marriage rate America has ever seen since 1867 when we began recording marriage rates. The vast majority of our generation is ditching the stupid liberal arts degree for four years to instead pursue entrepreneurship. 62% of us have already started our own businesses. In 2021, only a quarter of our generation said we believed in a higher power. But just two years later, over a third of us say that we believe in God. There's this hunger for meaning. There's a hunger for truth and objective fact. But recognizing the brokenness and the anxiety, the depression, the death, the culture of death that our country continues to support and how it got young women here is exactly how we get us out of it. I think we're making progress. 
and we're, we're trying Always. to f- yeah well i i am trying to figure out i could tell you i went over young men that's not a problem young women we got a problem so but isabel i don't know if you agree or disagree i'm sure on the margins you could i could totally buy into it but my current belief is that absent more and more young ladies getting married and having children it's going to be difficult if not impossible to turn them into conservatives is that do you agree with that I don't agree with that, actually. And I have a story to share with you, if you don't mind, Charlie, on why I don't. Uh, Back in the spring, it was March or April, I took a trip to Santa Barbara, California, to be on a very viral dating podcast called The Whatever Podcast. You've probably seen clips of this all over TikTok. uh, Or for those watching, it's very, very viral on YouTube and Rumble. Um, But sat down at a big table with 10 or so other young women, all of whom were dramatically different in value set in religious upbringing and relationship status than myself. I was sitting across the table from a recovering sex addict, uh, an OnlyFans creator, an active pornography actress, and her fiance, which didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And we were supposed to be engaging in these conversations that were supposed to be a bit combative, right? You want the clips to go very viral on social media. That usually happens from disagreement. But shockingly, for about five hours, as we were sitting there getting to know one another, we found ourselves agreeing on almost every single subject that we talked about. Every young woman around the table shared with me that she had quit taking her birth control pills within the last year because they were making her depressed, destroyed her body image, and changed who she was attractive to. Every single young woman sitting around this table said they felt that they had been lied to by modern feminism, and they might not jump to the alternative to say they should get married today in order to fix that, but they felt this sense of something is wrong, putting a square peg into a round hole. Every single woman sitting around this table said hookup culture had brought them personally significant anxiety, depression, and they weren't sure how that was going to impact their dating lives moving forward. And data backs this up. Pew Research shows that over 73% of our generation who are currently dating the way the world is supposed to tell us to, we're dating in hookup culture and with app after app on our phone, constantly scrolling for that perfect match that's never going to come, we're extremely dissatisfied with our dating lives. Your love life might not seem like the obvious first place to connect on shared values and change someone's entire mindset towards being conservative. But when you talk about the most intimate, foundational, important relationships, like who you're going to marry and who you're going to spend the rest of your life with, or even more superficially, who you share your body with, young women today know that something is broken. We are throwing away our birth control pills. We are deleting the dating apps off of our phone in record numbers. And we're voluntarily taking ourselves off the dating market. More than 50% of our generation has because something isn't right how the world is packaging it. We want more. So if that if that is the case, why are young women not getting married in bigger numbers? You know, I think there's a whole PhD dissertation course we could teach on how our society is packaging marriage, namely because almost every single loud voice around us, our CEOs, our college professors, our favorite celebrities or influencers are all telling us that marriage is a trap. But I have to tell you, at least anecdotally, every single young woman that I am personally friends with uh, who might call themselves conservative or even fiercely independent are all engaged in getting married. I am seeing a trend of young marriages based in faith and getting married in the church unlike anything I've ever seen before. I'm doing my marriage prep right now at the Catholic Church in our 
neighborhood and we had our mandatory retreat a few weekends ago where there were 52 other young Gen Z couples, 104 people getting ready to get married in the Catholic church in a time where they would tell you nobody wants to get married in the church. So I don't know if the data might just be skewed. They might be surveying the wrong people, but at least in my own experience, I'm seeing a huge push towards wanting to share your life with somebody for good. That's that's very promising. Yeah, the the data shows we have more unmarried young 30-somethings than married. Maybe Gen Z can save us. And so how can we then segue that to political success? So the whatever podcast where you were talking to the hookers and um you were, you know, trying to find common ground. Do you think that there's an opening that they would vote right wing or conservative after that conversation? I absolutely do. And I think a lot of it then comes from parlaying those conversations into, well, why are you so miserable? Why is everything so broken? Why do you feel like you were sold a a bill of goods here instead of something that's going to lead towards happiness and truth? And a lot of that comes down to our identity, who we were built to be, who we were made to be, and what we're capable of accomplishing. The left has this very shiny, happy image of what Gen Z is supposed to look like in the political system. But really, they treat you like a pawn that can be bought or sold for a vote every four years. They put on rock concerts and they have musicians come to the White House and make extremely chuggy and cringy TikToks that just hurt your soul to watch. But there's no actual substance in wanting to make a Gen Zer's life better. Economically, certainly not, but especially culturally. And Charlie, we like to say all the time, politics is downstream from culture. I think if we can change the tide of public opinion on marriage, on birth control, on how we use social media to laugh again when we have a world that's devoiding us of comedy, reminding people that it's okay to worship God and not worship government, all of a sudden our foundational values shift so dramatically that you're able to connect with people politically on how we accomplish sharing that with other people in the future. Yeah, I want you to focus on one of the topics here that has getting more and more attention, birth control. So birth control has been proven to increase depression, anxiety. It makes women more neurotic and quite honestly crazy. And there's there's more and more people throwing away the pills. I, I don't know if I don't know how subst- I, I this is more just kind of chatter anecdotal. I, I didn't believe Alex Clark when she came on the show because the, the, the numbers just seem a little bit unclear. There really hasn't been a study. Amazingly, I went you know through all the Guttmacher Institute, Planned Parenthood, all the left wing groups, and they're not admitting that birth control rates are down. But honestly, these parents that give they give up. I'm shocked. Oh, you have pimples, birth control. You have you know you have this birth control. Just take this is really important. Again, I'm far from an expert on this topic, but mm-hmm. I, there, there seems to be this like subterranean mass movement of like anti birth control pills that's beyond it's not getting any coverage. A lot of the people say it's like an anti contraceptive movement. So what what is going on here, Isabel? Take as much time as you need. I find it fascinating. I am so glad you asked, Charlie, because I talk about this all the time. As you know, my educational background is in biomedical sciences. I was pre-med through all of college and then got my graduate degree in healthcare policy. So I, too, am shocked that more people are not covering the mass movement I am seeing generationally to throw away hormonal birth control. And that doesn't just look like the pill, by the way, although that's probably the most common way that we obtain hormonal birth control in society. Certain IUDs, implants in your arm, the shot, for example, are all regulating, which sounds like a positive thing, but actually is changing every single thing about you, your hormones. And we're starting to discover because
because no one is doing any studies about this, that there are mass implications to our identity as individuals when we take these supposedly magic pills prescribed to us to fix any little ailment under the sun by our primary care physicians or even our dermatologists. I'm extremely transparent about my own experience. I was prescribed birth control mandatorily when I was 15 years old because I was prescribed Accutane. I had debilitating, horrible acne which is a, a larger story, I think, in terms of the diet in America, why this that's is happening ex- yeah, to almost every sugar. teenager. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But uh, I had this horrible acne, had no self-esteem, and was told this was going to be my magic solution, this experimental medication to take it. But caveat, the government requires that you take hormonal birth control pills while you are on it, just in case, because the, the medicine causes extreme birth defects. Uh, I was then told by every single doctor that I've ever had since then, oh, just stay on it. It's fine. It'll regulate your periods. It'll be such a better experience. Your skin won't freak out every single month when your hormones just go crazy, which is what they were designed to do. That's how your body naturally operates. And so like many women in my generation, the vast majority, I took these things thinking they were magically solving all of my problems in life, but really were causing unbelievable havoc on my mind, my body, and my soul. And I think the average teenage slash 20-something girl can absolutely intimately relate to this. We know now that it causes anxiety and depression and suicidation. Uh, Nobody likes to talk about that when they prescribe it to you in the doctor's office and read the horrible list of physical side effects. But also mentally, it makes you less interested in your passions. It completely changes who you are attracted to. It turns out women taking birth control pills are more attracted to more feminine men instead of more masculine men that can appropriately lead them in a relationship. It completely destroys your sex drive, which obviously isn't necessarily the most appropriate thing to talk about with a teenager, but would probably be good to know before you think about growing up and and getting married and still taking this pill that's changing every single thing about you. So the more we ask these questions, women are quitting in droves. And the skim is one of the only people that's reporting on the numbers for this. You're right. There's not a lot of data at the 30,000 foot level, but of the women surveyed in America who have stopped taking birth control pills when they previously were prescribed it, over a third of them have stopped within the last year. So this is a brand new subterranean movement and we love to see it. So I I have a couple questions. Um, Do you think that that might be why so many young ladies are becoming lesbian because of the pill? Mm. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. I think that requires a deeper study. But if you're attracted to more feminine traits, you're probably not going to find your local yeah. Ron Swanson to shack up with. So, uh, and, and I, I mean, I mean, this not. I'm just curious. Is there, is there a um, withdrawal period if people stop taking the pill? Is there? Uh, is is it tough to come off of? You know, it's it's different for every single person. It also depends on what specific brand you were taking. Generally, I think most women have about a span of three to six months where their body's in a little bit of dysregulation, but you catch up quite quickly. Your body is naturally designed to take care of this stuff for you, and it knows exactly what to do. Yeah, and then does it impact future future fertility? I've heard like people scream at each other over this. Like, yes, it does. No, it doesn't. Fantastic question. Yeah. I I think it does. That's just my personal opinion on the subject. But like the idea with mental health, there are very, very few people willing to do the research on this because they will get blacklisted every which way from Sunday in the pharmaceutical and the medical industry for doing so. There is no coincidence, however, that fertility rates have just plummeted in the last decade or so in America. If you look at rates from 2004 to 2020s, for example, it's shocking and devastating and nobody is talking about it. But one in four pregnancies should not be ending in miscarriage. That is not Jeez, normal. That, that's unbelievable. Yeah, there's a really good article, uh, amonclinics.com, The Pills Surprising and Scary Effects on the Brain. Isabel, there's a lot of moms, I'm sure, that are listening that have probably are currently giving their daughters the pill. 
I know that you don't want to necessarily give medical advice, but knowing what you know, it's probably true that it's being overprescribed, right? That it's uh, that that it's almost a solution in search of a problem. It absolutely is. It's like a Band-Aid solution I've interviewed a lot of doctors about, and they're told from the pharmaceutical reps that come to their office, you know, just prescribe this for anything. The American Pediatric Association is now being told to prescribe it for anything to halt gender development uh, for your children as soon as your patient starts menstruating, whether they identify as a woman or a man. There are endless cascades of problems that happen from this when you start taking it as a child or teenager. And I would just highly encourage you to at least get a second opinion if that's being thrown in your daughter's face. So, so Isabel, I'm going to take your advice. Next time I do one of these change my mind things, I'm going to go on campus with a sign that says stop taking the pill. I'm sure that'll be well received. No, I'm half, I love it, Charlie. Yeah, That's a great I'm half, idea. <laughs> I'm half kidding. But uh, well, I guess what you're saying, though, is that it's both emotional and factual because people have a personal experience with it. So, all right. I, I, I think I'm getting somewhere. So, Isabel, what I, what I think you have presented is find two or three issues that young women feel as if they have been misled or lied to about? For example, you've you've been scammed about the pill or you've been misled about hookup culture. That that is a that is an effective way, you think, to be able to communicate to them? Exceptionally effective, Charlie. Nobody likes to be lied to, and especially if you can acknowledge where they're at and tell them you don't have to stay this way. Our country doesn't have to stay this way. It's a perfect launching pad to find a new way forward. So then from a, if you were to give a policy agenda speech, or or at least you were in charge of policy for the Republican party, what laws, legislation, or messaging to win elections should, should be embraced? You know, I think we have spent so much time on the official D.C. policy with white papers and bills introduced and specific executive agendas. Those things are all so, so important. But what I'm seeing more than anything else right now is a complete disconnect between the actual good policies of the Republican Party and how that's messaged through the conservative movement to Gen Z. We talk a lot about the need to be where people are, right? You can't change culture unless you're willing to go where culture is and change it from the inside out. But I'm not seeing a cohesive effort by 90% of Republican politicians or important people uh, in the movement out of Washington, D.C., in trying to go to social media, to the hearts of college campuses, to high schools, and message these subjects the way they need to be communicated in a language that Gen Z understands. So the very first thing that I would do is create a marketing strategy. How do we share these traditional values with maybe a new twist in an exciting way that messages and and resonates so strongly with a generation who desperately is looking for truth, purpose, and meaning. And so from a, let's just say, a family creation agenda, if the Republican Party said, we're going to make it easier for you to get married and have children, do, do you think that would be a positive for young people to hear? Huge positive. I live in Florida now. I moved here in March, and that's exactly the blueprint that Governor Ron DeSantis has put in place at a statewide level for the state of Florida. Interestingly, he's also fighting on offense against the lies of the abortion industry by doing the same thing. Florida passed a six-week ban on abortion several months ago. It's also usually called the heartbeat bill. You might have heard that in some other states. And at the same time, spent tens of millions of dollars funding free prenatal care at pro-life pregnancy centers all over the state. So investing in actual health care instead of the end of life 
Meanwhile, we also made it tax-free to buy all baby supplies in the state of Florida this year. If you go buy diapers or anything at Babies R Us, it's going to be tax-free from sales tax here in the state. And I would highly encourage any other state to look at this agenda, how it's working, how more than 1,200 people a day are moving to the state of Florida, just like myself and my fiance, because that's appealing to this next generation, looking for an ease of opportunity, not just to start our own businesses or have friendly tax policies, but to invest in the longevity and happiness of our families as well. All right, last one, Isabel. You're going to have to explain to me, Taylor Swift, what is the, not not, not as what is the appeal. I, 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 I won't get clarity on that. But her political power, do you think she really has the ability to move millions of young ladies to vote Democrat if she chooses next November? To vote Democrat, I'm not entirely sure. I do like to joke that if Taylor Swift wanted to be president of the United States, she probably could, which is a very scary reality. I'm like a halfway in, halfway out Swifty. I love the music and I just can't stand the politics, nor could I ever dream of selling my car to afford concert tickets, which many women on TikTok are saying. But look, there's something to be said about the appeal to femininity that Taylor Swift has to offer. She's encouraging you to put on your best dress and go dance and sing your heart out at a concert or hang out with your girlfriends at a movie theater to connect with women experiences of getting broken up with or going to your first dance in high school. I think there's something really beautiful about resurrecting true femininity in the world of pop culture, while most women are trying to tell you to run away from it as fast as you can. That is, uh, that is a sweet answer. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if Taylor Swift embraces true femininity, but uh, I'll let people debate that. Isabel Brown, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Charlie. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.